Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plants, you can download the Pacific Point Church app at the App Store or visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Love this church. Love you guys. I'm so excited to be here. I, I really thoroughly enjoy coming on Sunday mornings and seeing everybody. It is, it is a huge, huge blessing. So everybody staying cool. How's the heat? We got, look, we, uh, we have not, we don't have air conditioning. So we haven't had air conditioning for a while. So um, Ryan calls the other day, and here's how the order goes in life right now. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and Ryan. <laughs> he gave us two air conditioning units that, oh my gosh, I can sleep again. Like, we have a, yes. That, thank you, Ryan. So we got one, and my other kids are like bitter because I put one in my room. I'm very selfish, but I, I pay for it, so I get to be selfish. And then I put one in their room, so the kids are like, what about our rooms? I'm like, sorry, get a job. Um, so <laughs> it is amazing having some air blowing while you're trying to sleep. It's, it's amazing. So anyway, so glad you're here with us this morning. We're in the book of James, but I, I just, I, I had to do a little quick right turn, kind of a one-off. And it's because we did a two-night evangelism training and seminar, and we got such good feedback. I'm like, everybody needed to be there. For you, those of you that were there, all 10, 12 of you, some of this will be a recap. But for those of you who weren't, um, it, it, it'll be new stuff. And it's, I think it, it's just really important. When we look at the book of James, what have we been talking about? This tension between be and do. It's about this, this tension that James talks about of, of, of the, your faith coming out in, in some of the things that you do. One of those things is evangelism. One of the things that we're talking about is evangelism. So I want to hit that this morning. Um, and, and another reason that I want to hit it is because we went away for a couple days uh, and, and we talked about things that are coming up in the church and here are some of the things and they're evangelistic opportunities for you, low-hanging fruit to invite people into. We've got a parenting class that's coming in October. So that, that'll be a, a, the 8th in the morning here. So if you got kids or you know people that have kids and you go, hey, you want to bring them along? We got Thursday night football, Saints and the Cardinals. That's the religious game, Saints and Cardinals. Uh, we got... <laughs> We got new members class coming up on the third, Thanksgiving. We got a Thanksgiving, we're going to watch Miracle on 34th in here. We got a pizza Sunday. We got all these different events. So there are opportunities, and we'll get some cards for you, to invite people out to the service. Uh, and then our life groups, as Chris mentioned, that'll start in October, real low-hanging fruit. If, if you know someone that doesn't know much about Jesus but a neighbor, it's so easy because we're going to have a meal together, then we're going to watch The Chosen and answer some questions. So it's not all intense and we're not laying hands on people and falling out and all that crazy stuff, okay? It's real, real easy to engage and invite your, your friends. So those are some opportunities that we have. We are, I, I want to kick off today in this, this scripture in 1 Corinthians, but I want to give you an update because you remember last week we talked about words. Remember that? We talked about how important our words are. And I remember I said I committed to, um, as I played hockey this week, to um, work on that. Why are you guys laughing? Why are you already laughing? Because you know what's, gonna, what's coming. Now, the first two games I played this week, really good. Mark, would you say, or at least not bad. Okay. And then this guy irritated me, so I, I took my stick and I slashed him. 
Now, here's what's funny about this. not the funny part. The funny part is this. He was so mad. I don't even remember doing it. My buddy said I did, but I don't remember. He was so mad. He's like, what would your congregation think about that? <laughs> like, where did that come from? I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm like totally convicted. I'm like, gosh. And I tried to apologize to him. I, tried, I like sincerely tried to apologize to him. And he's like, you're such a hypocrite. How can you even be a preacher? I'm like, okay, gosh. So I said, so are you. Um, we're all hypocrites. The reality is we're all hypocrites. Do you know that? Don't call someone a hypocrite and not look in the mirror. We're all hypocrites. The issue isn't hypocrisy. The issue is self-righteousness. Are you self-righteous in it? So let's get to our scripture this morning on evangelism. And it's in 1 Corinthians, if you have your Bibles, if not. And you also see I've got some handouts here because you'll be able to take some notes on it if you would like today. Um, but let's read our scripture. And it says this in 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law, the law of God, but under the law of Christ that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might, may share with them in its blessings. Let's, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for Paul's writings, for James' writings and challenging us in, in our faith and what we do. Um, Lord, I pray that we would be ministers of Jesus Christ and we'd bring the gospel to others. Lord, that we truly would be evangelists, as your word says. Lord, speak to us this morning. Bring wisdom, clarity, and all that you have. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the apostle Paul says this very clearly in this key verse. He says in verse 23, I do it all for the sake of the gospel. He says, I, I do it. Now the gospel, if you don't know, the gospel is the good news of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And Paul sets this and he says, I become all things to all men. In other words, he's that guy. You know that guy at the party? You know that guy that can sit in any situation and be comfortable? Do you, you know that person, that girl, that guy that, that you can throw them in the middle of, of people in another country and they'll just, they'll, they're right in there. They're, they're smooth. They just make it happen, whatever the situation. And Paul is essentially saying that. He said, wherever I sit, I sit as a representation of Christ, knowing my surroundings, knowing what I'm in the middle of, and I speak words of wisdom. He speaks words of wisdom. But he says, he says this, I do it all for the sake of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. He, does what? He becomes all things. What I just said. He becomes all things to all men. He can sit in any one of the rooms that he's stuck in. Look, some of us, you feel real uncomfortable in different rooms. You feel very uncomfortable at a party or very uncomfortable at your workplace or very uncomfortable. But, but what Paul is saying is you, as you jump into this word and you, you wash with this word and you step into these situations and you pray, God uses you. Paul became all things to all people. 
But he also endured hardship in First or Second Corinthians 11. It talks about him being shipwrecked. It talks about him being beaten. It talks about him being stoned. It talks about him being raised. It's all of these things that had happened to him. And when you evangelize and you preach the gospel, there are hardships that do come. Now, let's be realistic. In America, hardships are minuscule. Someone talking trash about you, someone saying something bad, not being welcome, whatever. Go overseas and you really see what hardships look like. So why don't people evangelize? They don't want to be all things to all people. I like my life. I like to be comfortable. I want to watch football at 12 o'clock so pastor be done by 11.30. I want my coffee this temperature. I want my McDonald's, but I don't want this and I want that. And you're just set in your ways, not willing to listen to God and step out of yourself so that you can become all things to all people. I'm not willing to endure a hardship. I'm not going on a mission trip for someone I don't even know. I'll send money, maybe. I'm not willing to endure hardship. I, I, I want to bring someone up right now. I want to bring Rich and Are you coming up, Lark? Why not? I want to bring Rich up. Rich and Lark are two of our dearest friends, and uh, they are missionaries to Peru. We support them as a church. We pray for them as a church. And I, I wanted him to tell a little bit about the, the story of uh, what, what God's doing as they are on the mission field. And you're getting ready to go again in November. Yeah. Uh... Lark and I have a ministry called Mission Equip. We started a few years ago. The goal of our ministry is to teach, train, and equip uh, pastors around the world. We focus on kind of hard, uh, hard areas, remote areas, uh, areas where people don't have a lot of access to uh, be trained and educated. And there's some areas in Peru I don't know if any of you guys ever been to Peru, but we, this summer we were there kind of in a city, Cusco, which is a mountainous city. Uh, there we are in the center of the city, but we do work outside the city. Uh, there's some kids I was giving them out candy. Can I, can I say something? Yeah. Because when, when Paul says endure hardship, now you guys don't know Larkin. I, Larkin is high maintenance. <laughs> she, is, she is the Ritz-Carlton all the way. For this woman, and I love that about her, like there is nothing cheap about her. It is tight, it is good, she is smart, and she is beautiful. But, but this is enduring hardship. This is a step, you're more blue collar oh, like me. That's, that, that was, for her, that was, it was a huge step. Enduring a oh, hardship. Yeah, That's what sure. Paul is talking about. Yeah, and uh, in Cusco, it's a, the city, it's about 12,000 feet elevation. Uh, the first day when we went, I used to live in Peru, but this trip, for some reason, I got altitude sickness and I got a parasite and I was in the hospital for a few days. I uh, threw up more than I have probably in 20 years in one day. It was horrible. But the Lord used the trip. It, uh, once I got better out of the hospital, everything was good and God blessed. Uh, the, we were able to go to these schools way out in the mountains. Uh, Y'all, you could not imagine where this is, how far out this is. But the people were very receptive to the gospel. Uh, but our, our main thing is, is teaching, training in, in one of these remote villages. Uh, this is kind of a seminary that we're helping establish. Uh, I'm working on some curriculum with a few local pastors. And this is a course that I taught while we were there with these. There's about nine students there. Way out, y'all. I mean, way out. Uh, you just... I mean, you think about the plumbing situation. It's just, it's, it's rough. 
But the Lord loves these, pe loves these people. And if we don't tell them, no one will. I want to, uh, uh, that's kind of what we did this summer, and that's what we do. But I want to share something with you from about John and Chris's heart. And we've been here a few times. Some of you probably remember Larkin more than me. I'm, I'm a very, very generic person. She is not. Uh, people She's remember. flashy. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but one thing we have picked up on from your church over the years when we visited and, and spent a time with, with these guys is we know that you love the Lord and we know that you have a heart to serve people. Our challenge to people and to local churches is become a missions sending church. I believe you guys have that ability because you have the Holy Spirit within you. Here in Southern California, we have a lot of resources. You have a lot of resources a lot of money. Some people are really gifted in making money. And some of you, because of that, have a lot of time on your hands. I encourage you to not spend the rest of your life about yourself. Do Good. not spend all your money on yourself. Spend it for eternity, for purposes that will last for eternity. I want to read something real quick, John. Sorry, man. I'm not going to take much time. Um, Man, I had Put your to, glasses had on, old man. a few years ago. Uh, this, some of you may have heard of John Piper. He's a pastor. He's retired now, but he wrote a book. It's one of my favorite books. It's called Don't Waste Your Life. And there's a little story he tells about how to waste your life. And I want to read it. He's, he's speaking about, he's kind of speaking to his congregation here. But In April 2000, Ruby Eliason and Laura Edwards were killed in Cameroon, West Africa. Ruby was over 80, single all her life. She poured her life out for one great thing, to make Jesus Christ known among the unreached, the poor and the sick. Laura was a widow, a medical doctor, pushing 80 years old and serving at Ruby's side in Cameroon. The brakes failed, the car went over a cliff, and they were both killed instantly. I asked my congregation, was that a tragedy? Two lives driven by one great passion, namely to be spent in unheralded service to the perishing poor for the glory of Jesus Christ. Even two decades after most of their American counterparts had retired to throw away their lives, their lives on trifles. No, that is not a tragedy. That is glory. These lives were not wasted, and these lives were not lost. Mark 8 says, whoever loses life for the sake of the gospel will save it. I will tell you what a tragedy is. I will show you how to waste your life. Consider a story from the February 98 edition of Reader's Digest, which tells about a couple who took an early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast five years ago when he was he was 59 and she was 51. Now they live in Punta Gorda, Florida, where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler, play softball, and collect shells. At first, when I read it, I thought it might be a joke, a spoof on the American dream, but it wasn't. Tragically, this was the dream. Come to the end of your life, your one and only precious God-given life, and let the last great work of your life, before you give an account to your Creator, be this, playing softball 
and collecting shells. Picture them before Christ at the great day of judgment. Look, Lord, see my shells. That's a tragedy. And people today are spending billions of dollars to persuade you to embrace that tragic dream. Over against that, I put my protest. Don't buy it. Don't waste your life. And I encourage you, church, John and Chris, to be a church that's about eternal matters. Evangelism, missions. Uh, there are three responses to the call to missions. You can go. And many of you have done that. And many of you can do that because you have time, you have uh, resources. Second response is to send. Again, I said this earlier, some, some people are gifted in making money, and they do it very well. And so you can send and support people who go. The third option is to disobey. Let's be a church. Let's be a people who are about the gospel going to the nations. That's good. Thank you. So good, and in the real near future, we have some exciting news about an opportunity that, that we're going to be doing with them in another country. So we'll, we'll keep you updated on that. Thank you, Rich. And, you know, Paul, why does he do this? Why does Paul do what he does? Why do they do what they do? Why do I do what I do? Why do you get up in the morning is the question we need to ask as Christians. The why question is so important in life. The why question is the question that so many people just pass over and they just do life. But you've got to just grab all the why do I do what I do. We've got, you know, answering the why question is, is critical. And it's this. The answer is this. 2 Peter 3, 9. Not wishing that anyone should perish, but all should reach repentance. Why do they go to Peru? because there's people who don't know Jesus. Why do I preach the gospel? Because there's people who don't know Jesus. Why do we do what we do? Because apart from this gospel and this word, people are dying and going to hell. And I have the answer. I've, that's what Paul, that's the why behind what Paul does. And there's, there's three main questions. There's what, how, and why. Look, here's the deal. No one cares about what you do. And that's when we talk about here in Pacific Point, what we do is church. How we do it is Sunday at 10. We have three songs, you know, the guy sings, I get a guy gets up and preaches, and one song out, we got to mix that up. But you know, the, the, that's the, the what we do or how we do uh, church. But here's the thing, it's not about the, the what or the how, it's about the why. I've never seen anyone give their life to a big church. I've never seen anyone's life completely changed because they had, they had comfortable chairs. I've never seen a, uh, someone who doesn't know Jesus look at a beautiful building. That's not true. I know there are some that, that look at big campuses and go, I'm going to go there and get saved because it's a church. We, we do church. How we do it is the way you see that we do it. But the reason that we do it, the why that I'm here, that you should be driven by, that Paul was driven by, as we see in this First Corinthians, or in this Corinthians passage, that Larkin and Rich are driven by, is this, others. Jesus didn't die for the what or the how. He died for the one. We're too busy worried about the, the what, how we can have a bigger church, what will the church look like. And those things are important. But if they consume you, it's not the gospel. It's not the gospel. 
See, because the key here is the power of one. The power of one. One life changed. One life changed. Look, here's the deal. If your heart doesn't break for one person, if your heart doesn't break for one, you'll never reach others. Let me say that one more time. If your heart doesn't break for a person, when I say a person, think of someone in your mind. I've got a blank uh, space in your notes there for that. Think of that person that your heart breaks for. Here's why I say it this way. If you don't have a list of people that you're praying for just about every single day, your heart's not breaking for them. It's a token prayer once a month, once a week, once a year. But when your heart truly breaks for someone, you have a list of people that that you're praying for, that you're calling, that you're interceding for. And we know what Jesus did in Luke 19, 41. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. He saw the lostness. And his heart was broken. See, when we look at 7.6 plus million people, we go, it's impossible. You can't reach that. You're right. Impossible. Well, let's, let's go down to the U.S. population, 325 plus million. Not going to happen. Not a chance that we even hit the California population, 40 plus million. OC, 3.3 million. Costa Mesa, one, uh, 110,000. Maybe we can reach that. I don't know. Uh, neighbors, the eight neighbors that live around you. Now we're getting a little closer. How about your family? And some of us here even talking about reaching our family and evangelizing our family. Go, I don't know if that. Okay, how about one? Give me one. If this gospel has changed your life, if God has grabbed a hold of you and, and, and you were this before and Jesus got you and the, and the grace and the mercy and the kindness and the goodness of God has grabbed a hold of you, how do you not take this word and give it to someone else? Amen. See, it looks like this. The power of one. I say family there. Um, you preach the gospel to one person and that person preaches to one person. And you start to see this exponential growth. This is if you reach one person. One person, that one person reached one person. Then you're at four, and it just it grows exponentially. If you, if you preach the gospel to 10 people, it looks like this over 20 years. Some, some 10 million people have heard the gospel. If the people you reach then do the same thing. That's the gospel. It goes forth through exponential growth through disciples. 12 men change the world forever. Why can't you? Why can't I? I, I'm going to show you and say this with all humility and sincerity. This is God, because you guys, most of you know that I'm a complete idiot. So, come on, come on, get them figured out. Most of you know I went to the University of Minnesota, so that fill in the blank. Okay, this is, this is all about Jesus. I'll start with Shirley, my mom. She raised her children, fear and admonition of the Lord. I'm just one person. I'm not even talking about my sister, and she's reached I don't know how many people. One person. My mom just poured her life into her son. Mission OC, we planted over 30 churches through Mission OC, a ministry that I started. Pacific Point churches over the last 16 years, we planted six churches. Um, Before that, working with uh, a ministry that I was with, Champions for Christ, planted over 10 churches. I'd watermark a church and, and reached hundreds. Here, reach tens. I don't, I don't care. 
in, 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 in one generation, because one woman raised her children in the admonition of the Lord. That doesn't mean I did everything right. I mean, she had a lot of prayer. But over 20, I just started doing the calculations. Over 25,000 people have heard the gospel. It's not me. That's the Holy Spirit. That's be, see, the power of one. Parents, if you raise your children in the admonition of the Lord, if you raise your children and, and hold on to that scripture, you know, they're, they're going to they're gonna go squirrely, but they always come back. I can't tell you when, but they will come back. Why are you laughing, Larkin? <laughs> Just one. See, but some of you in your mind are saying things like this. Evangelism isn't my thing. Anybody think that? No one, don't, don't have to raise hands. Evangelism just isn't my thing. Here's the problem. There's a mandate that is given in the scripture. That's pretty darn clear. Melvin, you know what I'm talking about. It's pretty clear. Melvin gave his life for a long period of time to a campus ministry. How many years were you in campus ministry? And then he shifted into being a teacher in, on the campus. Still campus ministry. Just a little bit different. There's a mandate that is given here. It's this. Well, let me start back. He just gave us a quote, and it's this. There are only three kinds of Christians when it comes to evangelism. Those who want to, those who do, and the disobedient. Which one are you? Which one are you? Here's the mandate. Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He's talking to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and, and teaching them to obey all that I've, done, I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Mandate, 2 Timothy 4.2. Preach the word. He doesn't say this. Hey, pastors that are heads of churches, preach the word. It doesn't, it doesn't delineate. It doesn't say that I am one of the ministers in this congregation. You are all ministers in this congregation. He says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with, with complete patience and teaching. He's talking to the church. He's talking to you. Romans 10, 14. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who they have never seen or never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Who's the someone? You. You're the someone. Church, we can come in here and we can get messages and, and we, can, we can sing and worship and all the things that we do. But when you leave this building, that's when church happens. That's when it starts. And it starts with you realizing that God has given you authority and a mandate to preach this word. It's not just about coming in here on Sundays and feeling good and checking off the list and, you know, coming twice a month and tipping God, my favorite two lines. That's not what it's about. It's about a changed life. It's about your story. The mandate, 2 Timothy 4, 5, as for you, always be sober-minded, endurance, suffering. Do the work of the evangelist, fulfill your ministry. 
He's saying this, hey, ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's saying, do your work of evangelists. He's saying, moms, you have these little kids that you're, you're, you're forming with, with the, your dad, with the dads. But moms, do the work of the ministry. Evangelize, love, teach them of the Lord. He's saying this, when you go into your workplaces, do the work of the evangelists. He said, when you go into your neighborhoods, do the work of the evangelists. And Acts 180 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I, I changed a little bit for us today. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Costa Mesa, in all of Orange County, and California, and to the ends of the earth. God has given you a geography. Where you live specifically is, a, a, is a, 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 a geography. There's an accountability that comes with it. You just think you picked a nice house and were able to afford it, and that's where you live. No, no, no. God's more sovereign than that, and he works these pieces together. And where you are, where you're placed, is the place that God has called you to be the evangelist to. Where you work, where God has called you to be the evangelist. It's why I do the job that I do. We were just talking about it. it was me and Richard were just talking about it. And it's like, you know, this job, as much as I would like to, to not do this job and just do church full time, there's no way right now that I can do that because I'm so deep in the, the culture of, of preaching the gospel to these people and half of them don't even know it. I just, God just opens the door and opens the door and opens the door. And it's not because of anything other than I'm like, okay, God, if I'm going to do this, let me be obedient to the situation and help me to preach your gospel and God opens the door God opens the door he opens the door some of you are saying I could never do that I could never preach the gospel but he says this by the power of the Holy Spirit Acts 1 8 but when you receive the power of the Holy, it's not about you this Christian life have you realized is not about you what I want oh I, this is what I want in a church I want a church to serve my needs I want a church to have donuts at the perfect temperature. I want a church to have waters that are cooled. I want the worship to look like this. I don't want the preacher to ever yell at me. You wouldn't be here then. Um, I don't, I, you got all these things in your checklist of what I want church to be, and it's all crap. You know why? Because Jesus is Lord. You don't get to pick your church. He places as he sees fit. And you have a calling here. And, and, and when you understand that, what you, you start to understand is this, that it, it's, it's, it's not you. The power of the Holy Spirit that lives in you is the one that's preaching the gospel through you. Look at what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit and why it's so important. John 16, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Luke 12, the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. You can't be a preacher? Don't tell me you can't be a preacher. You're all ministers of the gospel by virtue of coming into this relationship with Christ Jesus. And when you come into this relationship, he changes you. And he changes you in such a way that how do I not tell people about the gospel? How do I not share Christ's love? Even in the midst of all my stuff. I got a lot of stuff. And God still uses me. It's not an excuse to stay in your stuff. It's not an excuse to stay in your stuff. I got I to gotta try to get out of some of my stuff. But God uses broken people. 
God uses you and I. What does the Holy, power of the Holy Spirit give us? Just the power to see, the power to speak, the power to heal, the power to deliver. And I don't have time to go into that Mark 8. I've preached it many a time. It says, when Jesus is in the crowd and the woman with the issue of blood touches his garment and he saw her and he spoke to her and he healed her and he delivered her and her life was never the same again through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, the Bible makes this mandate clear, really clear. And it's this, tell your great story. Tell your story. Tell your story. Your story matters. Your story is important. Your story matters. What is a great story? It's the story of God's grace in your life to save you from the eternal separation from Him. It's your story. It's everyone has a story. You go, oh, I don't know. No one wants to hear my story. No, 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 no. No, no, you have a story that matters. Your story is unique unto you. Your story looks completely different than my story. You know why we need 10 churches in, in the same neighborhood? Because there's, there's a thousand people that are all different people. And 10 churches represent 10 different sides of who God is. And the person that's going this way and thinks this way needs to go to that church. And the person going this way and thinks this way needs to go to this church. And I'm not talking about, um, I'm not talking about non-negotiable issues. I'm just talking about, well, I like that, you know. And God places as he sees fit. And, and there's different personalities of churches that God calls us to. Very important. But every one of you has a story. Every one of you has a story that needs to be told. And God needs to shake it out of you. Because it matters. It's the story of Adam and Eve. It's the story of Cain and Abel. It's the story of Abraham. It's the story of Joseph. It's the story of David. It's the story of Saul. It's the story after story that we see in these scriptures. And some of them are crazy as can be. And some are like, how did that person, how, how is he called a friend of God? How is that person even allowed to, to worship? I, you know, you look at the craziness of some of these things. But all of us have a story. And your story matters. Your story matters. So what is a great story? Let me finish with that. What is a great story? In your notes, you have these. So take them home and please look them over because it took me a long time. And I'm sure there's plenty of misspelled words that you guys would like to call me out on. So what is a great story? It's what my life was before Jesus, how I came into a relationship with Jesus, and what my life looks like now. When you write out, and what I ask you to do in there, I've got some lines, and I'm, I'm asking that everyone that calls themselves a believer in Christ Jesus, that has a relationship with Jesus, and calls this their home, I'm asking you as a pastor, I'm asking you to go home and this week to write out your story. I'm going to ask randomly. I'm not, I'm not, you know what, yeah, just, I, I am, I'm imploring you to write this out, and it's this. First, write a paragraph in each section, what I was, what Jesus did, and where I'm going. And then secondly, just kind of whittle it down a little bit. And then you, you, you want to try to keep it in that five to seven minute range. You want to use scriptures, and you want Christ to be at the center of everything that you're writing. And, and you're writing this, what was my life before? How was I living? How did my life look? What, what, what was hopelessness? What did that look like? That's before Christ. Okay. What happened? How did I encounter Jesus? What happened when I encountered Jesus? Who introduced me to Christ? What were the circumstances? What, 
what did what Jesus what did he do and the last part of your story is this what is he doing in my life today what does it look like how did he change me what peace am I experiencing what has he called me to do now if you look in this and I, I don't have time to go through it today but I go through what's called the Romans Road and it, it's all the scriptures around uh, uh, conversion and salvation and God's grace and and confessing our sins if you don't have a relationship with Jesus today the Bible says is the day of salvation that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart God raised him from the dead it says today is the day you are saved take this home and, and walk through it take this home and I, I'm asking you to commit to writing your story and when you write that story, here's what you'll find. You write that story, and you go, okay, God, here's my story, and you give it to him. And then you say, okay, use me. Then you start to have eyes to see. And all of a sudden, I mean, he's a walking story of people he runs into. All of a sudden, your eyes are opened, and you're, you're telling people about Jesus and what he did in your life. All of a sudden, next thing you know, you, you've got a business and you're doing business calls, uh, you know, Max, and, uh, with, with all, all the people in your company about Jesus. You know, the, the, the next thing you know, uh, Mark is, 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 is telling people about how Jesus changed his life. The next thing you know, you're preaching the gospel. Just one. It's about one. It's not about the masses. It's about one. And here's what I know about my God. He's so good and gracious. And when I submit, when I ask him to show, he opens the door. All I do is walk through in obedience. All I do is walk through. And I watch God move. And I watch God move. And I watch God move. That's what he's called us to, church. I don't want to be a church who just shows up, checks in, checks out. If, that, if that's what you want in a church, don't come here. I, I don't want to be, sound like a jerk. Don't come here. Because you're going to get sick of me. You're literally going to get sick of me saying, no, no, no. Get off your butts. Preach the gospel. Get off your butts. Be the church. Go love someone. Be the hands and feet of Jesus somewhere. That's what we're called to as a church. Why? I love this scripture in Daniel 4 too. And this is the prayer that I, I go, God, let this be my heart. Let this be my heart. Daniel 4 too. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. Let's pray. Father, I, I, it, it is, God, a pleasure to preach your gospel. God, it is a pleasure to speak of your name. It is a pleasure to tell others of the hope that comes in Christ Jesus. Oh God, let us be a church that walks in the fullness of who we are in Christ. Lord, let us share our stories. Lord, let us have eyes to see and ears to hear. And when someone tugs on that garment, God, let us respond. Let us respond with the hope of the gospel because of what your son did for us some 2,000 years ago. God, I thank you for these men and women. Lord, I send them as evangelists. I send them as ministers of the gospel of Jesus. Lord, that then when they walk out this door, let them be aware of who they are in you, Christ Jesus, that they might preach the gospel of hope. In 
Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.